It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Today on What Chaos, the Canucks push their chips in and land Elias Lindholm. And then, and also previously... We talk about the NHL landscape at the All-Star break. We're talking awards, cup favorites, Oilers even. It's what chaos. Subscribe on YouTube, tell your friends, post on social media. Let go! Happy February, everybody. Happy Black History Month. Happy All-Star Break, which is where we are on February 1st. It's DJ Bean, a.k.a. Skeeter Bondra, Pete Blackburn, a.k.a. Goalie Pants, and Sean DePaz, a.k.a. The Skills Competition. And we have breaking news as of when we're recording it right now. You're hearing this on February 1st. We're recording it late on Wednesday, January 31st in the United States. We had done this whole episode on where teams stand at the All-Star break. Apologies for the Canucks in any conversation we have about where they stand because the beginning of this episode is going to be us addressing the fact that they just got better. I don't know how much better they got, but they got better because in a shocker of all shocker, the Flames go in division and trade Elias Lindholm to the Canucks, it's a whopper of a package. The Flames get Andre Kuzmenko, 27-year-old right shot left wing who scored 39 goals for the Canucks last season. He's in year one of a two-year deal with a $5.5 million AAV. Hunter Brustevich, a 19-year-old defenseman, taken 75th overall in 2023. He's got 69 points in 47 games in the OHL this season. Yoni Yermo, I believe, 23-year-old defenseman playing in Finland. A 2024 first-round pick, a conditional 2024 fourth-round pick. That's a haul. This is what chaos. Pete, your thoughts? I am pretty stunned. Uh, you know, I, I thought that the Canucks were going to make a big splash this uh, this this trade deadline. I think that that they kind of owe it to their fans to go for it. This is certainly going for it, but I didn't think that this was the move that they were going to make, especially with like you mentioned in division a big old trade with the Calgary Flames. That one is a bit of a stunner and. The package going back the other way is quite a lot. All right. my I have three reactions. 
Canucks okay. gave up a ton. Canucks now have two top six centers named Elias. They need to sign after this year because Pedersen famously has not signed any sort of extension. Technically, the other one is Elias. Oh, Elias Pedersen. Elias Pedersen and Elias Lindholm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Well, also worth noting, uh, Patrick Alvin signed an extension today with the Canucks, the general manager. So he is good to just... I love that move. I love that move. I'm sure that like the framework of this deal was in place and, and whatnot, but... Boy, do I love the idea of a GM signing his multi-year extension and then immediately being like, wild card, bitches. Here's a big old blockbuster. What Swedish guys are out there? Let me get them. And there he goes. And the Canucks, who were kind of a surprise team, uh, are off. But the third uh, reaction, so I said the reactions are Canucks gave up a ton. They now have two top six centers whose names are spelled E-L-I-A-S. They need to sign beyond this year and the third thing is what a fucking loser move by the flames <laughs> what an absolute division. loser move going in division they got a great package like this uh bruce Davich kid 75th overall pick in 2023 is considered uh i don't want to say stud prospect but a really good legitimate prospect kuzmenko as i said scored 39 goals last year he's signed beyond this year he has term as they say and they get a first round pick. And who knows? We'll talk later in this episode about our expectations for the Canucks. You say, spoiler alert, wouldn't surprise really anybody if the Canucks end up being a team who hasn't necessarily been uh, humbled by arriving yet. So who knows where that pick ends up being? Maybe it's at the very end of the first round, but maybe it ends up being, I don't know. Mm, towards the back end, and that's a real good building block. Once you get past the top 10 of NHL draft picks anyway, like 11 through 65 are like the same fucking pick to me. So they got a good piece of capital there, and the Canucks gave up a, a real lot here. Yeah, and it's always a, it's always kind of a struggle to organize uh, your thoughts in the immediate aftermath of a giant trade like this. But I like that you lined out your takeaways I have some several takeaways as well. Number one, like what an asshole timing of a move. Like everybody in the hockey world, basically everybody who's everybody is at the all-star game, all-star weekend right now, trying to have a good time. We're about to try to pack and, and get on a plane to get there. The timing of this sucks ass. And I mean, for Elias Lindholm, literally on a plane to go to the all-star game. So uh, that's, that's a wild wild uh development for him that second year in a row player involving uh the vancouver canucks was traded on their way basically to the all-star game because last year bo horvat was traded to the new york islanders like that's that, right the day before um my other big takeaway i i could not believe that andre kuzmenko had 39 goals last year i knew that he had a big year i did not realize that he had 39 goals and was almost a point per game player for that canucks team so uh, I don't know if he's that kind of player, but to get a guy like that, a top prospect in Hunter Brusnevich, who I, I did, I don't know a ton about him. Like we're, we're admittedly not big prospect guys, but I did do some cursory re research and I saw the first guy that he was compared to uh, recently was Axel Sandin Palika, who is a very, very impressive young defenseman who I was, I, every time I've watched that guy, I've been extremely 
uh, extremely impressed by. So, uh, yeah, the, the, you get that, you get a first round pick, those two guys, and then, uh, a conditional fourth, like you can say all you want about like lose or move trading in division. And you know, there is some truth to that, but I also think there, the most important thing to do if you're the flames is to get the biggest return value. And this is a really strong return value. It seems and there is something to be said about self-awareness for a team like the Flames. Loser behavior from a loser team. Got to shout out uh, pal Scott McLaughlin from WEEI. He noted that because he knows prospects a lot more and he really likes Bruce Stevich. And he says that as it turns out, these athletic packages that were mocked earlier in the week of here's what it would take. If the Bruins wanted to get him, they'd have to give up Frederick, Poitra, and a first, and a lot of people were saying, oh, gross, horrible, blah. Like, Too much. That's what they end up getting. That's what... Va- they I mean, end up probably getting more. The they probably deal. do get more. The proposed because... deal from the Canucks was Hoaglander, uh, Kuzmenko, and a first-round pick. That is that is more than that deal. I would absolutely take the deal that they got versus the one uh, proposed by the Athletic. The question becomes, though, and I'm sure a lot of Flames fans are worried as they get Kuzmenko because they've already experienced getting a player in Jonathan Huberdeau who they think they know what they're getting. And obviously he had a lot more track record than Kuzmenko. Uh, And then they get there and God, it's not what they thought they were getting. Kuzmenko is in his second year in the NHL. He's an older guy, took a little while to get over here. But last year, his first year, as we said, he scored 39 goals, had 74 points. He shot... 27.3% was his shooting percentage. One of every three shots he put on net went in, basically. This season, shooting percentage is 12.7%, and he's got eight goals in 43 games. So are you getting the player who is, what, a 15, 16, 17, 18 goal scorer, which is obviously a valuable player, or... Are you getting the guy who pushed for 40 goals last season? You've got a year and a half to figure that out as he's making five and a half million dollars a year before you decide whether or not he's a building block. And if he ends up not being a building block, then suddenly that return looks a lot worse. Although next year, you'll probably be able to flip him if you stick again. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm honestly just seeing this right now. Darren Drager. Did you see this report that uh, Chris Tanev was believed to be involved in this deal as well. And Darren Drager said, uh, I believe he was, but it was thought to be better as a separate deal. So there could be a Chris Tanev move to uh, to Vancouver coming as well. So, I love when that happens. Where it's just like, let's work on this separately. When teams just like really get into doing shit with each other. <laughs> yeah. That happened when the Bruins got Michael Nylander. They got, uh, I forget which one came first. I think they got Michael Nylander first, and then like a day later, they got Sergei Gonchar. And then well, like I mean, a month later, they lost in the first round. <laughs> well, I mean, this certainly isn't going to be uh, the last that we hear from the Calgary Flames. I, you know, if you trade within division, it obviously signals you're you're probably not looking to, to contend anytime soon. And when you look at the makeup of the Flames roster, there are plenty of guys that we presumed would be on the trade block, or at least in discussions, Tanev being one of those guys. Um, you've obviously heard the chatter around Noah Hannafin, whether he's going to stick around there. 
Um, you've got uh, Jacob Markstrom, whose name has been thrown out there as well. Obviously, that's kind of up to him. But, you know, I, I think the Flames, we I don't know if we ever we got into this into the discussion that you're going to hear a little bit later. But like I expected them to be one of the top sellers uh, at, at this year's deadline. Yeah, well, I mean, like Lindholm was number one on any right. sort of trade watch type of list. And now it gets done, as you said, not the first time a guy's been moved right before the All-Star break. But I don't know. I, I do believe in if you're the Canucks, get the guy. Don't yeah. wait. If you're going to be in on him and you think you're going to have to pay dearly, pay dearly plus. Get the guy. Figure out, especially for a player, you need to determine, is this a rental? Is this not a rental? Because if it's a rental, and I don't think that this makes the the Canucks Stanley Cup favorites, then that's a little dangerous. But if he slots in, fits nice, which he's not having the greatest season by his uh, standards, then maybe you reassess going into the offseason. But at least in this case, as they ask questions about, is Pedersen going to stick around? What's he going to cost, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, your workload becomes bigger in trying to sign these guys, but they'll probably, you would think, get at least one of these guys back. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Like, does this have any, like, not to make a baseball reference, but, like, does this have any Trevor Story, like, insurance plan vibes to you in terms of the Patterson? Like, if we if we can't, if we can't, well, I mean, Pedersen is is an RFA, so yeah. like, I I would imagine that they're going to be able to work something out there. But like, what if it goes sideways? Does this have any air of an emergency plan, backup plan to you? I think it. As I was kind of getting at before, I think it just guarantees them they know who their first line center can be next year, whereas. Yeah. And you're right, like with him being young, with Pedersen being young in an RFA, the chance that it's going to not happen is pretty slim. But the fact that it hasn't happened yet, the fact that I think he's been on record of being like, I'm waiting, I'm going to figure it out after the season, don't want to do it now, that always gives teams a little bit of pause. And we do see RFAs get traded if their ask becomes big. The landscape of the NHL has changed a lot in the last, say, 12 years of RFA deals being wild because teams just want to buy up as many UFA years as they possibly can. And players, as a result, want to get probably overpaid for it. So we'll see. I think the Canucks, though, do this knowing we're going to have at least one of these players whose name is spelled E-L-I-A-S. Yeah, and, and this is like the Canucks just really, really pushing their chips in because they did it earlier this season with Nikita Zadorov as well. Um, but I, you know who else I think won this trade is the Montreal Canadiens and the Anaheim Ducks because now – Monahan, John Monahan and Adam Henrique, now the top two centers available on the market with quite a bit of runway before the deadline. And so like not necessarily – winners because the market has been set because we're talking about different players here with Lindholm versus Henrique and, and, um, and Monahan. But like, if you're a team in the market for a center, say like the Colorado avalanche, you're probably looking at Henrique. You're probably looking at Monahan as now the top options. And if you miss on one of those guys, you really, really got to push to get the other one. 
So, you know, Lindholm coming off the board this early does seem to shake things up in the center market quite a bit. Sean, how you feel? What do you think of this? Thoughts? Jersey potential? What you got? I don't have much for you. Um, Indifference. Not like you, like y'all said. I mean, it certainly, uh, I think at one point in the episode that we recorded, I said if the Colorado Avalanche get Elias Lindholm, they become my like Stanley Cup favorite or something like that. So you could throw that out the window. Um, it certainly shakes up how I think the West plays out. I'll say that much. That That is a great uh, point. Was it for this episode, Sean, that we discussed the which teams get? yesterday. Oh, it was yesterday's oh, episode. Was it yesterday? Yeah, it was yesterday's episode. Where we uh, said or two days, Boston, two days episode. We said yeah. Boston. I, so I like that we have this on record because my mind doesn't change on that. We said uh, uh, Colorado, Boston, and oh, yeah. uh, who else? In Vegas become like cup favorites yeah, or at least I, favorites in their division if they get uh, Lindholm. I, I said that I said it again in today's episode that uh, that I uh, specifically the Avalanche if they got them it, it changed how I how I viewed the West playing out. I in in like I I don't think that this vaults the Vancouver Canucks to a Stanley Cup favorite like m- more than they already were I suppose but I do think that it makes them a, m- a tougher playoff team because. Elias Lindholm, a really strong 200-foot player. And if you have that defensive center, that is like a real, real game-changer in the playoffs to get the matchups that you want and push the depth down. So, like, definitely makes them more difficult to play against, which I think is something that they absolutely needed as a team um, that has not gotten their asses kicked. You know, I think that is coming up later in this episode where, like, as a team that hasn't really been through the grind of getting over that playoff hump, you can often get punched in the mouth. Having Elias Lindholm, I think, is going to help the Vancouver Canucks. And also, by the way, Elias Lindholm, a very handsome man. A very handsome man. Uh, let me see. I mean, I'm, I've am i got all these prospects up. I've got, you know, it's not bad. Andre Kuzmenko. Uh, but anyway, uh, we... Lindholm uh, is the real, the real, like, 10 out of 10 here. Let's. I'm. I'm just envisioning Hampus Lindholm. The names are confusing me. Uh. Anyway, we are going. So we recorded today's episode as we were frantically packing up stuff to go to Toronto for the All Star game and everything. And hopefully, you're subscribed to everything you need to be because we got a bunch of stuff coming uh, from All Star weekend. And then we're going to be at the Super Bowl next week because we just think that's a really funny idea. So make sure you subscribe to everything. We are going to cut in now to. I believe assessing the NHL at the all-star break. And I think the next thing you'll hear is we rattle off some things that maybe surprised us, such as the Bruins still being good, such as the Canucks being good. We note better than expected. We get into a little argument about what did we really expect for the Sabres? It's a fun time. Jump right in. Surprises. Canucks really good jets really good rangers a lot better than expected not recently bruins still really good that's a huge surprise i would say to a lot of people uh flyers Mm -hmm. good did i throw that in there Mm -hmm. uh penguins are like 
the that's not surprising, not very good right. team. But that the Penguins and, and Buffalo Sabres kind of in the same category where it's like, well, what did you really expect? Your revisionist history on the Sabres. Yeah, He's doing no, it no, again. no, 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 no. He's not, fucking not, doing I'm it not, again. No, I'm not saying that. Like, I have, I have uh, on my list of out of it that we thought would be in it. I have the Buffalo Sabres in there. But, like, once, once the season started and we got two weeks into the season and the Sabres were not very good, we were like, oh, they're the Sabres. I mean, this is... Like, a- that's not revisionist history. That's being like, well, I don't know what I fucking expected. Yeah, that, that I was going to say is that, as I tell everybody, I was excited about the Sabres, but I knew. I knew. It's a <laughs> Buffalo sports team. They were going to let, they were gonna let you all soul. down. They were going to let everyone down. Uh, a team that you didn't mention as, like, a very strong surprise at this point in time St. Louis Blues kind of flying under the radar. St. Louis Blues in the playoff picture by points percentage at the All-Star break after firing their coach. And remember when when they fired Baruby and we were sitting here joking, oh, the They're Blues are going to win the Stanley Cup now. Yeah, and you know what? They're kind of being powered by a uh, a surprise goaltender. There's a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of same things happening in St. Louis that I don't like. I mean, if there were to be a season in which to do it. So when the Blues last won the Cup, it was 2019, where all the good teams fell out of the postseason in the first round. And it was basically just like, it was like a lowercase a war of attrition, where it's like, if you just kind of get there, you got a fucking chance. And everybody mm-hmm. thought that like, oh, I guess like Bruins are like the third, fourth, fifth best team in the league and they've stuck around. So I guess they'll just win the Cup. It seemed like the most obvious thing in the world. And... Bruins chunked it and the Blues won. This is a year in which like there aren't any massive world beaters to begin with. So if there were like th- this season makes more sense regular season wise for the Blues to make a run mm-hmm. than in 2019. Like it, th- things needed to happen in the playoffs for the Blues to make that run. Right now, if you're a contenderish team, if you're a wild card team, you look around the league and be like yeah, there's teams that you don't want to see, and there's teams you don't want to play. You don't want to see, you don't want to see Vegas. Probably don't want to see Colorado. If you're in the East, you're honestly probably cool with seeing anybody. It's open. Yeah, I mean, all right. So by points percentage, here's where we stand at the All Star break. In the uh, at, games uh, are being played tonight. That's true. Yeah. Okay. So, so, really, so we have to just like kind of be vague. Okay. So that's a good point. So with game before the all-star break mm. uh panther or bruins panthers and maple leafs are the top three teams in the atlantic again this is by points percentage uh rangers hurricanes and flyers are the top three teams in the metro the two wild card teams in the eastern conference right now as it stands the tampa bay lightning and the detroit red wings um so that would lead to a uh, four playoff matchups in the opening round of bruins versus red wings rangers versus lightning Panthers versus Maple Leafs, Hurricanes versus Flyers. I think that both wild card teams could win those first round series. I don't. I do not think the Red Wings could be the probably Wings. not. Probably not. I would probably have said that about the Florida Ex- Panthers. So that, that's <laughs> why I said. So I, I shout out all the Bruins people who've done stuff with us. The Bruins do not get the benefit of the doubt in the first but, round. Here's what I would say about that matchup uh, in Red Wings versus Florida Panthers. And uh, this is probably going to come up again at some point during this episode. The Florida Panthers have previously had previously gotten their ass kicked in the playoffs before beating the Bruins. The R- Detroit Red Wings 
do not have that in their DNA yet. And I think that it is very important for almost every team to have one playoff run in which they get their asses kicked or things really fall apart at some point. And I don't, the Red Wings don't have that yet. Well, just for the record, the Red Wings are the only team in a playoff spot currently that play tonight. And they cannot, by winning or losing, they cannot Fall change out. the teams that are in the playoffs. Okay. The, the, they, if they win, they would tie Tampa for third in that division. If they lose, they would still be second. So we have Anxious Dave, which is his new nickname today. Anxious Why? Dave. You're really worried about tonight's games affecting my, yes. uh, my playoffs. I wasn't Dave. anxious. I was professional, Dave. <laughs> I, was professional. I will say I don't know how the tiebreaker works, so I don't know if Detroit winning would put them over Tampa Bay because they would both be at the same number of points at the same number of games. It played. doesn't matter. So, fuck In it. the Western Conference, can I? do you have thoughts on the Eastern Conference? Well, you, fu- you tapped into something that we were going to do later, and I was like, I'll just do it now. You just say... We'll we'll get to that stuff later. Go ahead. Yeah, that's why I said we're going to get to some of this stuff later. I just wanted to get into a standings check. Uh, Central Division, Jets, Avalanche, and Stars, top three teams in the Central. Uh, Canucks, Oilers, and Golden Knights, top three teams in the Pacific. And the wild card is, are the Kings and Blues. So that would lead to Canucks, Blues, Jets, Kings, Avalanche, Stars, Oilers, Golden Knights. Oilers Golden Knights in the first round is just fucking wrong. That I think three of those series would kick my ass. Yeah, the NHL Jets, would Kings, be Avalanche Stars, and Oilers Golden Knights would all kick my ass. I'm cool with a conference final being a team's Stanley Cup. You know, they would always they always say that in baseball, like, oh, well, this is their World Series. Man, this the, like the ALCS the between the Red Sox and Yankees was always yeah. like, whoever wins this. Is gonna win, and then the Yankees would win it, and they go lose to the Marlins. And we're like, okay, well, never mind. But, Losers. but the first round of Golden Knights against Oilers—that is some fucking Stanley Cup shit. That's why the first round is the fucking best, man. Not only do you have eight whole series to to feast on, you get some absolutely like premature matchups in that first round. You said Stars Jets would be one of them. Yeah, I mean, I feel like. That's that also is, uh, an incredible uh, one. Well, yeah, I feel oh, like Avalanche stars. Sorry, oh, Jets yeah. Kings. Jets, ki- Jets uh, Kings could also be very good if the yeah. Kings figure their shit out. I was just going to say Kings could also not be there. <laughs> Jet, Jets stars seems like a ratings nightmare, but would be low key one of the best series in all the playoffs. Jets stars wouldn't be a ratings nightmare. I think there's there's appeal there. Like both of those teams draw pretty well. I mean, compared and, to the other teams in the playoffs. Yeah, I don't really care about ratings. Are we Fair. saving our? Who do you think are the best teams in the NHL for our later Stanley Cup potential conversation? Or yeah, I think who- that we can get to like we haven't really like shot our wad for la- lack of a better term. Like, there's a lot to get to. I here. am Skeeter Bondra. This that's episode, right. So I, I wouldn't. Would it bother you to know that I have no idea what that is or who that's referencing? Or- you don't know who Peter Bondra is. Yo, Wait, you would are you, love I Peter you were, Bondra. First of all, I thought you were saying, I don't know what shoot your wad means. And I was no. like, Sean, that is okay. <laughs> yeah. you, what you do in your own time no, or what you I don't do. do in your own time is is your decision. But you don't know who Peter Bondra is? Damn, man. Peter Bondra rocks. He's like one of the best Slovakian hockey players. What, Amazing. What do you think of when you think of Peter Bondra, like visually? Are you going to say Chara celebrating like Peter Bondra? No. I think of the late 90s, early 2000s Capitals logo with Correct. the... Uh, That's the right answer. With the building. 
Oh, the building. That, okay. is, yeah. that is the first picture that pops up when that's you a different one. Like me. the black and like the With honestly the, like duck colors behind it. And yeah, the, I think of the eagle. I think of the white the white eagle. Well, that jersey. was before, right? Oh, uh, oh, that was their alternate jersey. Oh no, yeah, you're talking. You're thinking like the early two thousands one. These are both. Let's see. Let's go I, by. I, I want to say that the Capitol building jersey was uh, their alternate jersey. They're, they're both. They, they, there's, I mean, there's a lot of pictures of him in both of them. Um, well, yeah, they, they were worn at the same uh, around the same time. I don't know if the Capitol building jersey was uh, was an alternate or if it was their actual home pride. I feel like that was. So their are home. you talking? You're talking about like the Black Eagle one. I'm, or, not, I'm I'm talking about the white version of the Black Eagle one. Based on so these like pictures, the, like mid '90s one. Yes, is that based on okay. these pictures of him? There are there's like no pictures of him in a Black Eagle. There's either the White Eagle or there's well, the then, black so with the cap. The, the Black Eagle was I think some reverse retro shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah the Black Eagle was the reverse retro in the mid '90s. They had a White Eagle and they had a teal Eagle. Kind of crazy. And then in 1997. So 1995, they started doing the White Eagle and the Teal Eagle. 1997, they did those two, and then their third jersey was the Capitol Building. And then they did that all the way until 2007 when they switched to the 80s-inspired... Red and white one. They have yeah. too many jerseys and colors, I think. They, decided. I agree. You know uh, which one stinks, by the way? Which one? The navy one with the big SW on it. Because as I look at all agree. the Capitals jerseys, I'm like, they're all one of two things. This one is just totally fucking random. I don't I, think the Capitals get enough shit for having just god awful branding. The the Capitals when they could have well, like obviously the potential is there yeah. to be amazing. The Capitals' best jersey is their reverse retro of the Eagle jersey, like with the red and the blue, like this one. So this jersey, the the, the white one with like the teal and black, is the Peter Bondo jersey in my mind. I love the show, by the way, because we can go do a midseason awards show check in will eventually arrive the most time on peter bondra will eventually arrive on something that actually interests us so like, oh, <laughs> the, right. the, the jets oh the jets are gonna be pretty good but they're really good but it's <laughs> a lot of season left to be played and especially with all the teams they got out there in the west i don't know i think the jets will we'll see what ends up happening they don't have blake wheeler on their team anymore bondra was drafted a full eight years before i was born yeah for the record so. he was so he was nasty he was disgusting like, if i i remember my uncle took me to a bruins uh capitals game and i was like yo this is sick i'm gonna go see peter bondra awesome name too bondra bondra is a bondra peter bondra well yeah just i think a, that's kind of why cool it threw me off guy. i thought it was like a pop culture reference because it sounded like a character's name skeeter no, no, no. Bondra. Skeeter Valentine. You know who Skeeter Valentine is? No. You ever see the show Doug? Have you seen Doug? Yeah. Doug yes. Funny? Yeah. Patty Mayonnaise? I definitely have. Yeah. Like long, it was like slightly just before me, but I remember like the talent of it. The rapper uh, Chris Webby had a lyric uh, call her Patty Mayonnaise because I skeet her when I meet her. Just, <laughs> just saying a lot, of, uh, a lot of Doug stuff in there. Skeeter also uh, famously teal. That's right. So, what else surprised you? How about let's talk about the Capitals? They've sucked this year. That's the same, same, uh, in the same vein as the Pittsburgh Penguins. What did no. you expect? Eh, old team, little. Yeah, less. but the Penguins are so much better than the Capitals. 
on paper, sure. And they made a big splash in the offseason. The Capitals did not. Right. So I, I, if the Penguins ended up being really good, I wouldn't have been totally shocked. If the Capitals ended up being really good, I would have been stunned. They traded everybody they could trade last year, and Backstrom isn't there, and Ovechkin has... How many goals does Ovechkin have? Like four? One. He's their leader. I know that. With four. He's one yeah. goal. Just one goal. Uh, His one goal is to <laughs> be on One goal, team. financial planning. As no UC goals. Saros I was, yeah, was going to say, have we talked about that? No. Because that lives the way he's no goals, no goals, no goals, no goals. His his accent like lives rent free it. in my brain. Uh, did you mention the the Devils? Because the Devils have got to be very near the top of teams that Devils are a surprise. Yes, Devils uh, obviously have had their issues in terms of bound, uh, battling injuries, uh, things things just not going their way, not getting any saves. Lindy Ruff still coaching that team. So the Devils are a massive disappointment in my mind. They, Lindy Ruff they, is doing exactly what Lindy Ruff does. Yeah. And I think if you expected anything else, you were putting too much value. Well, I, he gets there and he makes you pretty good. Yes. And then once that and then job he will is let you done, down. you are hoping... Like Claude Julien used to be like that. He, he, he's perpetually close. Yeah. I, I was on the please move on from Lindy Ruff train after last year's playoffs. Like I just felt like the Devils could have used somebody else in there making the decisions. And um, it's obviously not entirely his fault, this, what's gone wrong this season, but the Devils have got to be the one of the more surprising teams that have disappointed and maybe are the biggest fans of the Los Angeles Kings right now because that team is the only team kind of threatening that throne. You know what? The Kings are very high on the surprising because I, f I pegged them as like, the safest team or one of the safest right. teams, just the yeah. way that their roster is built that on paper is always going to be solid and solid gets you in the playoffs. Solid gets you middle of your division. When everybody's streaky running hot and running cold, you're probably winning a couple, losing one, winning three, losing one, that sort of thing. And you will be steady Eddie and they just aren't, they suck. <laughs> and it, if if you had told me that the Kings were having a tough season at the All-Star break, I would have said, okay, they're probably not getting the saves. Like, their goaltending is is their biggest issue. Um, this was would have been my thoughts at the outset of the season. But if you had told me the Kings were going to be one of the worst teams in the league at the All-Star break, not, you know, in, a, in an overall sense, but right now they are one of the worst teams in the league at the All-Star break. And Cam Talbot is also an All-Star at the All-Star break. I would have so much trouble making sense of that. And I know Cam Talbot hasn't been as good in the second half of the first half than he was in the first half of the first half, but uh, he it's still surprising. Uh, uh, other surprises from the first half of the season, Pete doesn't know what uh, quarters are. Uh, <laughs> another surprise. I think the first half of the first half is way funnier. Uh, that's better. Uh, it reminded me of, have you seen Rat Race? No. It's a good movie, but they're going there. They're all, it's a group of people who are tasked with going to, Find this thing, and if you find it, you win a million dollars or whatever. Mm -hmm. And Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character says to this group of like 20 people, he was like, what if we agree to all go together and then split it 50-50? And one of the other people is like, 50-50? And he goes, you know what I mean? 50-50-50-50-50. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> goalies have been a surprise. We'll talk about... 
uh, Vezina in a little bit, but like a lot of surprising weird shit with goalies. You got the Cam Talbot thing. You got Georgia being an all-star when people are fucking idiots about it. You got the John Quickassance, which mm-hmm. I love so much. Probably my favorite thing about this Rangers team. You've got a year after Linus Olmark won the Vezina for the Bruins, Jeremy Swayman being a Vezina contender favorite type all-star that would be a wild shit with goals that would be the funniest thing ever and we're not talking about it just because i don't think jeremy swimming has like a real real shot it was one of my talking points for today but like having a a true tandem a true 50 50 tandem in the nhl the strongest tandem and having one half of it win the Vezina one year and then the other half of it win the very next year would be incredible it's hey it's working so far it's working so far for the boys. Uh, how do you feel about the Bruins? Uh, do, you, do you feel my assessment earlier about the East being no true, real contender, favorite types of thing? Like, everybody's kind of a contender. Everybody's kind of a contender, but the Bruins are, the Bruins clear the rest of the Eastern Conference. Just in terms of consistency, they have been very good for basically this entire season. A minus a little stretch where they weren't so hot. They, that's, I think the only team in the Eastern conference that, that can say like has been good for pretty much the entire season. If we're doing individual surprises, Charlie Coyle, massive respect Mm -hmm. years in the league, not one motherfucker familiar with your game because I didn't see it coming. I don't think anybody saw it coming. Whereas like at first I thought if they only just had someone who is a little better than Charlie Coyle, they'd be in good shape. Mm -hmm. And now I just kind of talk that way about Pavel Zaka but man, Coyle has been a real true top six center, which is great because the team has four bajillion wings that they can just kind of sprinkle around and hope for the best. But him being good has softened the blow of losing David Krejci and Patrice Bergeron so much. So if, if they were to go out and get, we were talking about Elias Lindholm the other day, like if they can get one more center, like a middle six-ish center. Sure, they don't have any star centers, but I would say the Bruins are the best team in the Eastern Conference, which obviously doesn't sound like the hottest take because statistically they are, Mm -hmm. but like no one in the Eastern Conference is amazing. Also, I threw out the Rangers as a potential destination for Lindholm yesterday or two days ago at this point. Uh, Came out yesterday that the New York's shopping Capocaco. So like if you are... Shocker. (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, like not, well, I mean, they should be right. Like if you can go get a player like Lindholm and have Kako be the, you know, the subtraction and not have to really pull at your, your pool of picks and, and top prospects or whatever. Like, I, I think that's something worth exploring. And if you're the Calgary fr- flames and you're looking at Capo Kako, you're probably like, all right, maybe, maybe. So I don't know. I, I, I do think like the, the Eastern conference has no real powerhouse. Uh, We are all set to go to Toronto and spend the weekend soaking up all the all-star fun, talking to players, going to games, checking out the PWHL three-on-three. Sean is so very, very pumped about that. And we, if we decide to dip into those seats, we're going to be using game time because game time is such an easy experience. It helps you get your tickets Without having to guess, wait, what is this? How much is it going to cut? It's all right there. It's got an easy layout. There is no guesswork. 
thanks to Game Time. You can download the Game Time app, create an account, use code CHAOS for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code CHAOS for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Use code CHAOS for $20 off. So yeah, basically we just kind of told you what we see in the standings that may or may not be different by the time you're even hearing this episode anyway. The real meat of this, I was I'm I'm pretty excited to talk about awards because we've thrown things out there when we bring up a McKinnon or a Kucherov or a Hughes or whatever been like, oh, well, he'll probably win this. But I like to get into, as a former voter, I like to get into who else is in the mix. Is there anybody who's going to come up and rest it away from, you know that word? Rest it? Rest. No. W-R-E-S-T? I mean, I assume that's a wrestling thing. I don't think it comes from wrestling. I, I think, think wrestling, wrestling comes, comes from, from rest. Yeah. You know the word rest, Sean? I do now. Uh, one of my when I was in my like early twenties, one of my friends was like, "Do you use rest in your writing? You should." And she told me what that word meant, and I was like, "That is a that's a great hockey term." Yeah, because like a corner a corner rest, you just rest it. Yager rested it and then stuck his butt. Yeah, in somebody's you can't face. use rest because it's too close to wrist. It's uh, there's too close to resting in peace. Is that an oxymoron? What resting in peace with a W at the front? Because if you're resting, Taking you're not really coming in peace. Burglarizing. <laughs> That's right. If you take it, Sean, you know what the difference between uh, uh, burglarizing or what a robbery and a burglary is? Uh, I feel like that's something I knew at one point, but I don't know the specifics now. Contact. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So if if you are if you come into contact with a um, another person, it turns from a burglary to a robbery. Gotcha. That when makes people sense. say, I caught I came home and I got robbed. It's like no, you, you came home and someone was waiting to rob you? Yeah. They should have just burglarized your ass. <laughs> Sounds like you weren't home. That's that also why uh the hamburglar is the fakest name of all time because that motherfucker is always running into people when he's stealing hamburgers. So he's a ham robber. And he's dressed like he's going to like he's <laughs> right. he's like ready for prison. Is this physical contact or just like interaction? Interaction. Interaction. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. That's that. Uh, let's talk about the heart race. I think that everybody would have one Nathan McKinnon as the favorite. I don't know if he necessarily should be the runaway favorite, but I think that at this point, would you consider him the runaway favorite? I would not consider him the runaway favorite. Okay. He is the favorite. I, I think that right now, it's probably a two-horse race between McKinnon and Nikita Kucherov. Kucherov's been better than McKinnon, but McKinnon is more important. And if you get into the most valuable player thing, which is like a fake tiebreaker that nobody actually uses, they sort by points. Mm-hmm. Nikita Kucherov has more. I actually don't know if he has more points, but he scores at a higher rate. 1.73 points per game to Nathan McKinnon's 1.71 points per game. Connor McDavid somehow is at 1.56 points per game, which fucking blows my mind because he's not for McDavid. He's mm-hmm. not going nuts during this stretch. No, he's just like, well, well being, I mean, being a fair boy. I, I think that he is. He's kind of going nuts for a person, but not for McDavid. Sure. But also you have to look at the fact that McDavid had 10 points in his first 11 games. 
And so in the 32 games... That's like the worst stretch of his career. Yeah, which and he was clearly not right at the beginning of the season. Things weren't going right for the Oilers. He seemed like he was banged up, kind of rushed back to get back for the Heritage Classic. Uh, in his last 32 games, he has 57 points, 57 of his 67 points. So, and and those 32 games that I took that sample from were since the Oilers fired Jay Woodcroft. So mm-hmm. he has really like gotten right and sort of been the the Connor McDavid that we know since that changeover in Edmonton. The Connor McDavid that Chris Knobloch knows because mm-hmm. people forget he used to coach him. Austin Matthews has 1.26 points per game David Pasternak at 1.47 points per game I think that Matthews and Pasternak are just kind of gonna uh, round out people's ballots but not necessarily be taken seriously yeah. as heart contenders another name I want to throw in there will never get consideration because will not have played enough games but Jack Hughes will not even close to enough games right won't like, sniff it but he's yeah. been better than Austin Matthews this year I mean, Austin. Like Matthews, when he, but Austin Matthews is having like a generational goal scoring season, which is why, which is why he's even in the conversation. Like from an overall body of work, Matthews probably isn't getting in there. But just because he is on an insane goal streak and goal season, you got to put him in. Like you say that that Kucherov has been better than McKinnon this year. I don't necessarily know if I agree with He's that. He's been more electric, I'll say, but that's also I don't him even know if I agree with that either. Like Nathan McKinnon, his usage has been insane. His him coming up, like he has seven game winning goals in the first half of the year, which is awesome. Like the numbers are pretty close in terms of point uh, production. Point production and like offensive generation. Like you look at McKinnon has 0.63 goals created per game. Uh, Kucherov is 0.64. So they're really neck and neck there. But like the usage of McKinnon has been really impressive. Bednar is leaning on his top guys to an insane degree. Like he's averaging over 23 minutes a night uh, for time on ice, which is wild. And, uh, there's a much bigger gap in terms of five on five production with McKinnon and Kucherov. Uh, McKinnon is a plus 17 with, uh, at five on five and Kucherov's only a plus seven. So do you think this ends up being a two horse race? I think Connor McDavid is, has a very decent chance of making it a three horse race, especially if the Oilers, continue to absolutely dominate the league right if they end up staying like a headline and break the single season record and are still going and even if they don't break the record or just like if they remain super hot and you're looking at a situation where they have won 23 of 24 games or something like the the Oilers story will never fucking stop so he'll be top of mind I think that he pro- yeah, I could see it becoming a three-horse race. Ultimately, obviously, if you're a betting man right now, like I would say Nathan McKinnon, but don't sleep on Kucherov, man. If he keeps going off. Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't sleep on him. Like I said, I think it's it's definitely not a runaway. It's close, but uh, I would give the edge to McKinnon. All right, how about the Norris? This is one that I think is more kind of runaway city. Mm-hmm. Quinn Hughes. Other guys probably in the mix. Uh, I want to throw a Noah Dobson out yeah, there. Yeah, Noah he's Dobson. Pr- he's probably my number three uh, there. I, oh, I think it's it's probably Quinn, Quinn Hughes, McCarr, and Noah Dobson. I would. I might. You named three of the four defensemen who have at least a point per game this season. Do you know who the fourth is? Um, a point per game. Yep. And I can give you the top five. So the top. So Kale McCarr. 
1.32 points per game. Quinn Hughes, 1.27 points per game. Noah Dobson, 1.06 points per game. Then you've got somebody with 1.04 points per game and somebody with 0.96 points per game. Hit me. Both of these, one is a former Norris winner. Okay. One is somebody who I think has has been pretty good in his young career, but has blown the fuck up this season into a, holy shit, this is an incredible player. Hit me. The former Norris winner yeah. with 1.04 yeah. points per game, Victor Hedman. I assumed. Evan Bouchard ah, has nearly okay. a point per game, and he is having an that incredible does. season. There's still some moments because he plays for the Oilers where you <laughs> say, what the fuck are you doing? But that's more the uniform he's wearing than what he's actually doing. I've been so fucking impressed by him that, he, I mean, if he finishes top five in Norris voting, that is such an achievement for the Edmonton Oilers. And for Evan Bouchard. Like, yeah. like Evan Bouchard has always been offensively geared if if you get into a a Norris discussion if you're Bouchard without like being carried carried by a McDavid or a Drysidle like obviously he benefits in terms of point production from those guys but he I wouldn't say that he's being carried like he is facilitating he's a big uh he's a big component of that team and their attack uh a sports book I will not say what but a sports book has him third. Wow. In yeah, you got Quinn, Kale, Evan, Noah, Miro, Victor, Charlie. I'll tell you what. I I think that's disrespectful to Noah Dobson. Noah Dobson absolutely deserves to be over Evan Bouchard there. I agree with that. Like Noah Dobson has 52 points. He is second in the league in time on ice, averaging about 26 minutes a game. And he is a whopping, whopping plus 21 at five on five on moot, an Islanders team. Moot point, though. This is borderline grab-ass discussion because uh, Quinn Hughes is winning this thing. Yeah. like he, it, I don't know if it's, a, if it's necessarily like a, I think some weird shit would have to an happen. An egregious runaway. But Quinn Hughes has been so good this yeah. year. and To the like, point of like maybe even heart consideration. Like, I, like I'd throw, if, if I'm a voting man, like I'm maybe throwing a fifth place vote towards Quinn Hughes before I'm giving it to David Pasternak or something like that. Yeah, I mean he's cooled off a little bit, uh, but he's projecting to finish over a hundred points. Which and like that team didn't come out of nowhere, but it was just it's a lot better than anybody thought it would be. And if you're like, why? Look at this unbelievable well, player. He, well, that's so that's an interesting discussion too because the Canucks shouldn't be. Better than we thought they would be. Like we've been conditioned to 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 like land there. It's just because never they've happen. been worse than yeah. we've expected them to be for a couple of years. So like this is seems like kind of like water leveling off a little bit. And uh and Quinn Hughes like absolutely, I think, is the leader in the clubhouse right now. And like while we're talking about uh I, I think the big separator for me, like I love the the five on five scoring differential when it comes to to the Norris discussion. Like Kale McCarr is averaging more points per game and, um, you know, similar kind of similar kind of rates as Quinn Hughes. But when you Kale look at McCarr is averaging more points per game than Austin Matthews, that's that's pretty wild. But also, like, 
that's because he's on the ice all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every every other good player on the Colorado Avalanche. But uh, the five on five splits for Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr, sixty four to thirty three. The Canucks with Hughes on the ice, forty to thirty five with McCarr on the ice. Man, so only a plus five with McCarr on the ice, whereas it's like thirty one. I'm gonna hit you with Hughes. some Vezina talk and stats. You know who leads? The league in save percentage. I don't mean to keep putting you on the spot. I would. I only ask you these questions I if I know that there's a good chance you can at least hazard a good guess. I do. It's Connor Hellebuck. No, it's not. It is not Connor Hellebuck. No. Is it Jeremy Swayman? Jeremy nope. Swayman by. Is it Thatcher Demko? Nope. Is it somebody who played like one game? Right. Wait. You, he's he's sniffing around the right conference and even division. Is it Alex Lyon? It's somebody. I'll give you a hint. You need to play 16 games to qualify. Okay. The leader in save percentage has played 17 games. Who is it? Aiden Hill. Okay. Yeah. Really good season that for him. That doesn't count. Why, why doesn't it count? The 17 games is a small sample size. Like, we've gotten into... I know 16 games count, but, like, he's not a real leader in save percentage. Uh, I'll tell you what. If he was splitting time in a tandem with a, like on a team you liked, if it was like Swayman and Olmark and Olmark only played 17 games and he had a 9-3-6 save percentage, we'd all be like, Swayman's been incredible and Olmark leads the fucking league in save percentage. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, so it, this is in the, the context of like a Vezina discussion. Nobody right. is putting Aiden Hill into a Vezina discussion at this point in time. So that's that was going to be my jumping off point. The leader in save percentage is not going to garner a super serious candidacy for Vezina, although we live in a world in which fans voted Alex Georgiev into the All-Star game, fortunately, not only do fans not vote for the Vezina, writers and media don't vote for the Vezina. The Vezina is taken so seriously that they leave it up to the GMs, which is actually, as a former voter, I like that a lot. Same. Because like, I don't want people fucking that up. And in fact, I used to want... Uh, uh, I used to want GMs to vote for Norris because I'd get so mad about some Norris winners. I'll take it a step further. I don't think that GMs should vote on on the Vezina because it's very clear when you look around the league. A lot of GMs don't know what the fuck they're doing when it comes to goaltending, and they clearly don't really understand it. I think there should be a special committee of goaltenders who vote on on the Vezina. I think that's the way that it should go because the only person that— Not goaltenders. Why? Because that's such the a fucking fraternity— Sure, but it's also the only people that I really trust to evaluate goaltending. I think that the only That's like person asking that Republicans would... to pick a Republican president. <laughs> they do do that. And what happens? <laughs> that's right. Also, that's uh, expecting retired hockey players to watch a fuck ton of NHL hockey. Mm. Well, I mean, sure, but that's also expecting general managers to watch a fuck ton of hockey and i don't know if some of them do that yeah but that's at least actually their job is to watch hockey <laughs> but if you made it the yeah, committee's job to vote on the Vezina and have a goaltending evaluation committee i think that's a decent idea um i think that if you can get a bunch of man i don't even know what country you'd have to pick People from Finland. a different country. Well, that's another doesn't, problem. Like, there needs to be no connection to whatever because especially Latvians. 
you talk to hockey players and former hockey players. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody's each other's boy. I was watching the Chris Long podcast and dudes were said they were like, oh yeah, and Dion Bush made that pick in the and I was like, how do these dudes know Dion Bush? And they're like, oh, because we played this and this. Like everybody somehow knows every, everybody in yeah, sports, especially it, with the national nationalities involved. Okay, I don't know what your your case is here. All though. I, I'm saying, I like you suggesting something else be done to pick the Vezina winners. I'm saying your suggestion wasn't good. Your suggestion <laughs> that it be something else was correct. And then this happens with me all the time where it's like, hey, let's do something like this. And it's like, if you had just said, let's do something, you would have sounded smart. I like and the that, committee idea. I think you could do like a college football committee where you have a group of GMs, a group of former goalies slash Vesna winners, a group of skaters because they're the ones that have to deal with fucking goalies like i don't think committees are about i want to do pete's idea but we have to vet everybody us personally we i mean the, it's, I it's feel called like the vetting up process where we go through all the people to make sure they don't know any of these motherfuckers i can put together like a committee in my head right now i can say like henrik lundquist Easy. kelly rudy uh darren pang marty baron no way why darren pang He's going to be so grab-assy with everybody. He's going to be, oh, like, I, I love this guy. He, we've seen Darren Payne be like, Jeremy Swayman is the sweetest boy. That's why I can't fucking pick Vezina winners <laughs> because I know Jeremy Swayman is the fucking sweetest boy. If Darren Payne is going to go out there and be like, oh, I love him. You don't think that is, NHL GMs around the league have, they like, don't love their anybody. boys? No, it's a hard, it's <laughs> hey, a cutthroat business. I mean, oh, the boy, reality. you look at some of the guys that are still in the league and you're not like, uh, again, just because they like him. I like other people. I like the idea of, it being chosen another way, I think that having goaltenders choose it, and I get you, you you're probably coming from the mindset of who can assess and correct. evaluate goalies better than goalies. That is correct, but the conflict of interest is going to be off the charts. And also, I think you would run into problems where, like, they would ignore certain things that are like. Connor Ingram, for example, I don't think really deserves to be in the Vesna talk, but I think there's probably goalies out there who would look at his game and be like, that's one of the best goalies in hockey. He deserves to be in that conversation, even though he doesn't really. That Oh, that is, oh my God, that's such a fucking thing. When you talk to like hockey players off the record, and I haven't really done this in a million years, but they'll be like, oh, you know who's so fucking good? This guy. And it's always like, oh, interesting. Like I, did, I never saw it that way. And... I don't know if it's a bias thing or if like we just have different eyes and we see things differently. It's like they they do like any other human have their biases and they get very passionately attached to them. Yeah, that's what that's what I was gonna say. Is the reality is, is any group of human beings voting on it is not gonna be perfect. Which is why I like the committee idea. Like the college football playoff, that committee is a made up of a very diverse Condoleezza Rice was on it for some reason. Like it's a very diverse set of people, which I think is good because it obviously involves different perspectives. But B, they have a very specific set of rules on which they decide decide the award. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's the best way to get rid of the bias. I think like maybe I would trust goaltenders to evaluate things the like the the more unseen things because when you when you have the goaltending debate, a lot of it comes down to somewhat arbitrary stats for save percentage. Like, to throw fucking goals against average right out the window because that's a team stat. But even, like, goals saved above average, like, it is, it's very much, I think, even more so than some of the other awards, like, a on-paper award. I just tried a method in which I asked ChatGPT 
please pick a Vezina award winner for the 2023-24 NHL season. And they wouldn't do it. Said, yeah. I'm sorry, but I cannot provide real-time information or predict future events as my knowledge was last updated in January. Get out of here. <laughs> it's, I'm curious. When was the last even, updated? Even AI. It's in January 2022. I'm like, I don't know if I'm on an old one oh. or something. Even AI is afraid to attempt to evaluate goaltending. But with that being said. It's my, Hellebuck. Yeah. With Hellebuck, Swayman, and Demko are those, my top three. Right. And it will be Hellebuck again, I think. I think it, it. I mean, based off of what we've seen so far, I think it. It's the most runaway of any of the awards in my mind, just because of Hellbuck's been unbelievable and his workload has been tremendous. He's been as good as Swayman and has played more, so mm -hmm. that's a no-brainer. Yeah. Uh, and like again, Aiden Hill has played ten fewer games than Jeremy Swayman, so like the only people you could argue have played better than these guys haven't played nearly as much. Uh, I want to talk about, I'm, I'm meant to bring this up in the early surprises of the season. The most disappointing thing for me all season is that Connor Bedard got hurt. Yeah. And certainly up there. The, and as you look at the Calder race, I hope it still ends up being Connor Bedard. I hope that he ends up coming back. But what do you had? He had 33 points in 39 games, something like that, I want to say. Uh, I have it written down. So, yeah, 33 points in 39 games. He had 15 goals. Well on his way to probably, like, 40 goals because he was, like, going to get fucking cooking. Obviously, he hit the ground running, scored in, I think, his second game. So, it's not like it was taking him much to get warmed up to the NHL. But he is so, when he's been on the ice, he's so clearly been the best rookie, one of the best stories of the whole season. Him getting hurt fucking sucked. He still has my Calder vote. Yeah, like the only silver lining to Connor Bedard getting hurt was the possibility that the Calder race would become interesting, and it has not. He's still leading in points. He's still leading in goals. Hasn't played since January 5th. I really do think this is this is as much of a runaway as any of the other ones. Uh, the only other person in the discussion at this point in time is Brock Faber in my mind. Mm -hmm. And that's not a sexy pick. That's more of just like he's second in points for for rookies. But really his workload with the Minnesota Wild has been super impressive. He's playing like 25 minutes a night uh, as a rookie and as a guy who's just kind of being thrown into the fire. So I've been really impressed with Brock Faber. But he doesn't sniff Connor Bedard. As a near point per game player, on the absolute worst team in the NHL and hasn't been playing with much talent alongside him. And he's still really, really producing there. That's extremely impressive. I fully expect Connor Bedard to win the, win the Calder. We've actually gone way longer than I would have expected us to, which is uh, very, very funny. Uh, let's talk the future, the best teams in the NHL and who wins the cup. Who do you think are the best teams in the NHL? I wrote down a don't look at the fucking stats, just go off feeling, what do you think, top five. And as I look at them a little more closely, I think I'd probably shuffle some things around and add teams. But what stood out to me is when I wrote down my top five, all five were in the Western Conference. Really? Okay. But I think that that's not crazy. It's I not wrote crazy. down in no so the order in which I wrote them down, but we could say this is in no particular order, is mm -hmm. the Oilers, the Knights, the Avalanche, the Jets, and the Canucks. And 
as far as how they've played, their performance and everything, I think you could argue maybe the Canucks should be at the top of that list. But those are the five teams with which I came up. I tried to not end with a preposition, and then I said came. Especially when it's came. <laughs> but here's what drives me crazy. Sean, you'll agree with this. It's not, the word isn't came. It's cummed. I know, but. Came, <laughs> come and come are homonyms. They're different fucking words. So it's some, like, someone's like, I came. It's like, where did you? No, you fucking cummed. Now get out. <laughs> These are the five teams that made me come. It's con- do you agree, Sean? No, I mean, yeah, it's an objective fact. Right. Of course it's like, I agree. Do, do you want to speak correctly or incorrectly? Yeah. It no. just sounds, it sounds dumb. It's like when people say, well, what sounds come? Oh, sounds no, no. Dumb. Came, like, I get douche chills. What? Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's nobody any says way it to me, but that you're going to talk about come and it not be like a little odd. Like, a- anytime you try to tense right. come, <laughs> like, is 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 odd. It's weird. It's always going to be an awkward yeah. conversation when you are talking about the other coming one that, in the past tense. The other one that really drives me crazy, and nobody is brave enough to just because I think they do this out of oh, it might look weird. Miked up drives me fucking crazy. M I C apostrophe D. Like what if do you mean? Some, if 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 somebody is miked up, meaning a microphone is put on them, mm-hmm. they are recorded for sound. It is spelled. M-I-K-E-D. To mic somebody mm-hmm. is M-I-K-E. And I know that sounds crazy, uh, and that's like an English language stupid fucking thing. And that probably wouldn't happen in any other language. That is English being dumb, but that is what it is. It's yeah, no, just that's the scary association with microphone, yeah. which has a C. I think that, so I personally think that it should be like, if I'm going to mic you, it should be M-I-C. Yes. Like the short for microphone. But for whatever reason, it's M-I-K-E, and if somebody's mic'd up, it should be, or it is, M-I-K-E-D. And when I see M-I-C apostrophe D, it makes me lose my mind, mainly when I see anything that uses an erroneous apostrophe, because if you just don't use an apostrophe, nobody's ever going to think you're that dumb. Like, if I, if I uh, say text right. you and say, don't leave yet, I'm not home, and there's not an apostrophe in there, mm-hmm. you're not thinking, like... DJ didn't go to call Mike right. specifically. If I saw someone write M I C D with no apostrophe, though, I'd be like, "That's." Mm-mm. But it, no, it's M I K E D. Well, yeah, but also I don't give a shit. Like that's right. just that's just dumb. I, and I also, think- I would argue that it could be both because, like, obviously, miked is a different connotation. But like, M I C, you are like it's you're microphoning somebody. You microphone yeah. to them. That's why. So I and think- then the apostrophe is the well, I would argue the appropriate way to abbreviate or to shorten. You're right, because I it's, think it's representing the missing e. letters. I yeah. think yeah. the best solution, and there aren't great ones, is to say, "Let me mic you." M I C. I think that why nobody's spelling it out. Like, so that's why I, I I don't care. Like, it doesn't fucking bother me. It, it only it, comes into play for mic'd up, right? Yeah, and, and that has to be M I K. The only one that really bo- bothers me with uh with that is when people do years. And they abbreviate years, and they'll do oh, like, like 90 apostrophe, apostrophe S. S. That's the biggest one. That's rather than that put, right there. Rather than putting the apostrophe at the front of it with yeah. just the S at the end. Folks, and it, we're assuming to our listeners that none of you do the fucking thing of like going to a wedding and saying, congratulations to the Blackburns, B-L-A-C-K-B-U-R-N apostrophe S. 
Hopefully you know not to do that. And if you don't know not to do that, that's fine. Now you do know you only use an apostrophe for plural if it is one single letter, such as I got straight A's. It would be A apostrophe S. The Oakland A's, A apostrophe S. Hey, I'm going to the C's game, C apostrophe S. If you want to say the the Patriots need to choose from these five QBs, it is capital Q, it is capital B, it is lowercase s. There is no fucking apostrophe, and that shit drives me bananas. I know which networks get it right and which ones get it wrong. ESPN always gets it right. I can't count on any other network to get it right. <laughs> CBS, I love my NBC. Like that can be touching the only network that gets it right all the time is ESPN. So shout out them. Uh, I love that. What school subject are we going to go over on on Monday? Right. Hit geography. Geography probably because we'll be bouncing around. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We're in the Canadian province of Ontario. That's right. But uh, do do you agree with that handful of I mean, those are, if not the five best teams, like five of the best seven. I yeah maybe the Bruins know, yeah, should yeah, be yeah. in there yeah like maybe the Bruins should be in there I I mean I don't know who I'm taking out maybe the Golden Knights if I'm putting the Bruins in there yeah I don't know like I, I do but I do think that if you're talking about and we've we've gone over this but like if you're talking about the best teams in the NHL pretty much all of them most of them are coming from the Western Conference who are your so that's interesting you said maybe the Golden Knights and because it's a, a very tight group who are your teams that you don't want to face. In the playoffs, because the Golden Knights and the Avalanche are yeah. like so the top two for me. There, I alluded to this. Um, I'm going to go in the opposite direction. I'm going to say like the the one that I would want, like with a strong team that I would want in the playoffs. And I alluded to this earlier. I think that the Vancouver Canucks are a very good team that is very poised to be disappointed in the playoffs because they have not really gotten their asses kicked there yet. And this, so I'm glad that you brought up that point because it reminded me of a point I want to make about a cup thing. And let's just all fucking bring this all together because we got to wrap this up eventually. Anyway, teams that die of embarrassment do well the next year. That's, and that's yes. why as we get into cup contenders, I, even though I said earlier, sure, the Bruins could lose in the first round. Mm-hmm. Sure, they could lose in the second round. It's usually the type of thing that they do. When teams die of embarrassment, 2010 Bruins get reverse swept, whatever you want to call it, blow the 3-0 lead in the second round against the Flyers. Next year, sweep the Flyers, win the fucking Stanley Cup. The 2019 Lightning, record-breaking season, swept in the first round by the Blue Jackets. Next year, win the Cup. Year after that, win the fucking Cup. Who is the most recent team truly to die of embarrassment? And another team I'll throw in there is... Uh, a few years ago, it was maybe 2015, 2016, uh, the Capitals. I was going to say. Everybody then, decided yeah, yeah, yeah. this is their fucking year. They went all in. They got Kevin Shattenkirk. Mm-hmm. They were such an easy favorite. Everybody was rooting for them, and they fucking chunked it. They lose all those guys, and they win the cup the next year. Yeah. Most I mean, recent what happened with the Golden Knights? Didn't they, didn't they miss the playoffs entirely they the, the year playoffs, before? Yeah. But Great that, call. Yeah. So, dying of embarrassment doesn't kill you. No, it, and you can make the case that it does make you stronger. And I, the, it, we talk about the playoff hockey is a different beast than regular season hockey. And sometimes you have to allow playoff hockey to punch you right in the fucking nose in order to learn something from it and learn how to protect yourself. And that's not to say like the Bruins should have gotten punched in the nose before because they had already been punched in the nose. A lot of those guys had already experienced that. 
They should have known better. They chunked it. But I do think that when you're talking about a brand new coach with a guy like Jim Montgomery and learning how to deal with that group and how to deploy that group in the playoffs, last year was very valuable for them. I would be surprised if the Bruins had another early exit in this year's playoff. One, because they've been the best team in the Eastern Conference. Two, because I expect them to learn their mis- learn from their mistakes. Well, Montgomery has said he's going to rotate the goalies. It's and not just that, Anyway, though. well, I mean, so, like, it sucks to say, like, a big part of why they lost in the first round is not because Montgomery played the same goalie every night, but because the goalie, their Vesna winner, made a, a, a massive mistake. And I would bet my entire fucking life that that rotation... Or even if Omar had to play all seven games again, like I want him back in that situation because he's not going to fuck it up. And I also think that the guys in front of him, uh, they puked all over themselves as that series went along. Tampa Lindholm did not have a good series. They were throwing pizzas, man. We love that term. Pizza. They pie. were serving pizzas. I'm. I'm just. I, I guess I'm just. I'm very confident in the Bruins goaltending. If they, when they get back to the postseason, and I even though they lost players, like they could be like that Capitals team that on paper got worse, but they still have the horses to make a run. Well, Would I you say th- that you're more or less confident in the Bruins playoff chances this year versus last year? Last year, I was positive they were going to win the Stanley okay. Cup. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, it was the most in NHL history in my life of watching hockey and discussing hockey that I was like, what are we even fucking talking about here? They were so fucking good. And I was correct about this. I was telling you you guys, I was like, Tyler Bertuzzi is going to score yeah. 1 million fucking goals in the playoffs. And he fucking did. And they still lost in the first round. Yeah. yeah. Most, I, I, I knew how good they were. ruined by your futures bets on Tyler Bertuzzi. I know. Even man. though you weren't. I knew how good they were. I was just obviously a lot more locked into the Western Conference last year. Uh, I may have missed them. What were your top five teams again? Okay. Oilers, Knights, okay. Avalanche, Jets, Canucks. Can we talk about the Oilers? Uh, that's what I was going to ask. I wasn't sure. I couldn't. At first, I thought you didn't have the Oilers on there. So I, what I was going to ask is if the Oilers that we are seeing right now are the real Oilers or if the actual Oilers are somewhere in between what we saw at the beginning of the season and where they are now. Well, I mean, they're not. They've, they've had games during this stretch where like. Columbus gives them a good one mm-hmm. or Chicago gives them a good like they, they've had they've had close games even if the final score doesn't end up reflecting such like where bad teams play them very closely and as we said it's it's not like every night is a five-point night from Dreisaitl or McDavid they're playing I don't want to say like playoff hockey but they're not like scoring 10 goals and it's a laugher and it's a 10 to seven game and you don't know what to fucking make of the Oilers. Like they're very, very, very good. Possibly the best team in the NHL, but they still have their moments where they'll not lay down, but they'll underwhelm a little bit. I I think that this is the most that I've believed in the Oilers as a group, Uh, just in terms of, again, once Chris Knobloch talk took over, things changed And we talked about earlier this week, like the buy-in from that group in terms of being responsible, but also like playing to their strengths has been fun to watch. It's been really, really encouraging. And then you have the Stuart Skinner thing. Like that's where I don't know because I still don't know who Stuart Skinner is. Oh, he's awesome. He's a uh, goalie for, he's like 25. (laughs) He has a mustache. He was born in November. I'm pretty sure. 
Really? Yeah. Hell yeah. I, I think he's 25. He's he so is. Because he's, he's, he was born in 98 like me. He has a tremendous mustache. He is like very, very good looking. Mm. He wears a cool number. He wears 74. He's like the best goalie in the NHL since the new year. He's been incredible. So when you said, I believe in him more, I was like, say no more. It's fucking Stuart Skinner. Like, right? Like, they have a goalie that is really fucking good. And right now, you, like, that's the thing. Oh, no. But like, he's for real. But baby. if they play, if they play well in front of him, which they have been under Chris Knobloch, and they're, they're, they're kind of limiting what he is presented with, I think that he can be that goalie. All right, let's go through teams in the Western Conference and say, does this team beat the Oilers in a seven-game series? Winnipeg Jets. I think they could. Could. Yeah. Colorado Avalanche. I think they could. Absolutely could. Dallas Stars. I think they could. Probably not. I think they could. But I'll give you a could. Arizona Coyotes. No. No. (laughs) Predators. No. Vancouver Canucks. I think they could, but I, think I they would, could, I, but I would I, take the Oilers. I'm doing it probably not. Yeah, I actually. think if I am betting on it, I am betting on the Jets. I am betting on the Avs in those two series. I would bet on the Oilers against anyone else. Yeah, I, but I'll tell you what. I think that I would pay the most the money teams. to watch the Oilers play the Canucks. So uh, Knights, let's finish this. Knights uh, could, yeah. Could? Wouldn't expect them to. You wouldn't I, expect the Knights to beat the Oilers? I think the Oilers. I would say that's like 50-50. In betting, I would probably bet on the Oilers in that situation just because of like the revenge factor. It's hard to repeat type thing. Like it, That one's pretty close for me. Plus Jack Eichel. How, how's he going to look? Is Aiden Hill going to be as good uh, down the stretch this year? Like Some questions with the Vegas Golden Knights. Don't laugh. Los Angeles Kings. Do they beat the Oilers in a seven-game series? I it's there's a non-zero chance if they yeah, 2019 yeah. St. Louis Blues yeah. and get some sort of okay we were just fucking around we're back yeah. we're good we got a new purpose and meaning PLD, Kings would give them a you can look at the, they gave them a series last year if you have to seriously think about the Edmonton Oilers that you saw at the beginning half of the year and where and how we're talking about them right now and then consider the idea that the LA Kings might just be in that phase of their season right now and also who they've been for the last few years. Like I feel like the Kings have been a very hard out the last two years. And yeah. I mean, obviously the Oilers were in the, the conference final. No, no. I so I thought. Okay, so. that's what I thought. I, I couldn't it remember was the, which it was the Stars and Golden Knights. I remember being confused about this, and I couldn't remember what the the decision was. But okay, uh, give me the decision was like we, we decided <laughs> what the we decided that the Stars were in the well, conference the final last year was, for I sure. Guess. Give me your Cup final. I have. The Boston Bruins versus the Colorado Avalanche in the Stanley Cup final. The Bork Bowl. I love yeah. that. Sean, do you got a do you got a Stanley uh, Cup I'll final? I'll go Jets Bruins, unless the Avs trade for Lindholm, then it will go the Avs. So we really think that Boston is coming out of the East because I also when I'm doing this exercise, it's just who is coming out of the West. I really yeah, well, I just don't fucking no like the east is just such a toss-up to me some team could get hot in the last month of the season before they hit the playoffs from the eastern conference and just blow through the eastern you conference, know who i'm jumping like. on i might uh dip into some futures on carolina hurricanes yes why uh, can't they, they get the goaltending right so like there and that i guess summarizes the east there are teams that have not been as good as expected but this happens. Look at the Panthers last year. The Panthers were expected to be really good, 
and they kind of fucked around a little bit and just barely got into the playoffs. And it was like, uh, whatever. I was talking to a guy at the time and he was like, I buy up futures on teams who's, who's just drop. Well, and, and I would I would say like for the Panthers, they're like a playoff team. They're playing playoff hockey all the time. I feel like like they're built for that. They're <laughs> for always three like years playing injured. It feels like kicking people's ass, like playing hard physical hockey. And so like they do have that nasty. If they man. ended up in the cup final, again, I wouldn't be surprised by team. it. Like yeah. in terms of just like the they bite. are. I mean, I feel like plenty of people made this point. They're like the kind of team that hockey needs more of. They okay. are incredibly fun to watch. So I want it to be. Do I go with my head or my heart? Or do I be like a tough guy? Go, I don't know. Make your decision. Go with your gut. My gut? I just feel like... The, I just want... If the Bruins make the cup final, I don't want to be the only... The Bruins do this, you know. They, the Bruins use stuff in commercials. You know, Mike Felder yeah. commercial? Yep, yep. Too young. <laughs> too, too, too young. And like they lost in the first round. <laughs> um, but, all right, fuck it. I'll say Bruins Oilers would not be surprised by... Hurricanes, Oilers, Rangers, Avalanche. I just feel like the, the season's yeah, really like I'm going the opposite of last year. The Bruins were clearly the best team in the East. They should have been in the, the cup. They weren't. This year, the East is wide open, but I still think the Bruins are the best team in the East. So, of course, I think the Bruins are just going to like sweep their way to the, the cup final. Now, I, basically. I also think that last year's playoffs was one of the worst playoff runs in recent memory, just in terms of how interesting it was. It wasn't. Um, beyond the, be, so beyond the first beyond the first round. Yeah, the Panthers were fun. Like, no, the, like I watched every second of the Panthers. Kachuk kind of like took over the hockey world. During but, the yeah, that was like year. some NBA shit. That was like yeah. Kawhi taking over when he was on Toronto. So are you, are you disagreeing that last year's run wasn't very yeah, fun? Yeah, no, I, I think that last year's run was a lot of fun. Because I, of I would say that, Maybe. yeah, I would say that in general, it wasn't that fun, but the Panthers run in particular was one of the more fun, like single team runs in playoff hockey. In sure, but years. like the games, like you know, like a yeah. lot of the games were blowouts. A lot of like, no, no, the Hurricanes didn't get swept. <laughs> I would <laughs> remember say, that all the games were close. From like, like, <laughs> you, just, you, you use this word sweep. What does this mean? Sweep? They didn't sweep us, okay? It's from like, like a dude. narrative perspective, it was a pretty interesting playoffs. But I think from, from like you said, from, from like a product, game by yeah. game basis, maybe not. So I think we're owed an extremely interesting playoff run this year, and I'm expecting it. So that means whatever I'm guessing, I'm not expecting to actually come to fruition. I definitely don't expect the Bruins to be in the, in the final, and I definitely don't expect them to win. I think they're the most likely of the... Yeah, yeah exactly. Who's, who's the so. most... Cup, who would be your most fun cup final? I mean... Because for me, I don't know who it is in the West, but it is the Detroit Red Wings. Or, Red I mean, Wings uh, would be, the, the Panthers, like I said, but also the Red Wings. The Red Wings are just fun. Red Wings just hitting the gritty all the time. Precisely, exactly. <laughs> like they would just, I feel like them, when the whole world is watching them, they would just be fun. As they're well. probably the most entertaining in terms of like a product. Like they're yeah. last year's Buffalo Sabres. Give me them and the Panthers in the conference final, and then whatever happens from there, I don't care. Uh, I like that. What okay. is your least, like what is your nightmare in of terms of a, current uh, a teams? cup final? Yeah. Like Kings Lightning. I, like uh, the East is kind of boring in general. I mean, but. I don't want to see the lightning there again. The Kings. Leafs. Stars. No, the Leafs would Shout be. Shout out Stars. Like, I kind of like the Stars. Leafs being in the cup final, though, would, that be, would be so yeah. interesting. Yeah. It would be a nightmare uh, with the possibility of them winning the cup on the table. But also, but them them being losing, there would be so incredible. Them losing in the cup would be the sweetest of tears. Like, the, right. I would. I would. Those I would tears would love hit. It. They would. 
Fuck yeah! I don't know. I think maybe then maybe like the stars get a bad rap, but the stars are a very fun team to watch. They're, they are they are Winnipeg South. They're American. They're U.S. Winnipeg. Like it's just they're a team that no one pays attention to, but they're actually pretty good. Both like I, coached I, by Rick Bonus. Yeah, I, I'm all in on the Winnipeg Jets train. Like I want to see the Winnipeg Jets win the Stanley Cup final. Hell yeah! Okay, well. We are going to be in Toronto doing all the all-star stuff, so make sure you are on the What Chaos YouTube page. We're going to be posting videos just for YouTube, so get on there, youtube.com slash at What Chaos. Hopefully, you're subscribed on all the socials. We're going to be posting cool reels and fun TikToks, all that shit, doing stuff with players, with celebrities, with ourselves, and most importantly, with Gary Bettman. I'm just kidding. I don't think we're doing anything with Gary Bettman, but stay subscribed. We love you. Talk soon.